Well, good morning, everybody. I don't see Gabriel in here, but I'm pretty sure that he, uh, there he is. Did he paste something on my back that says, kick me or something this morning? <laughs> is that what happened? <clears throat> the turnabout's fair play, I promise you. <laughs> anyway, I'm just kidding. Um, we won't act that way. That's not nice. But anyway, it's good to see everybody. It's good to be back. Um, it's good to be back in West Texas and actually um, have some really good food. Back, uh, some Mexican food, that is. We actually had really good food um, on the ship. I probably gained 10 pounds, pretty sure of that. And it's got to stop or I'm not going to have any clothes to wear. I barely found anything today, to be honest with you. And um, But, man, they... they um, we, we've been on some ships where they've had, like, burgers at any time of the night that you wanted and that kind of thing, but they had um, this one bar that had burritos and quesadillas and make-your-own-tacos and nachos, and it was there just any time you wanted it, and that's really a dangerous thing. It really is. So, But they had that, along with the pizza at any time, and then the, the other meals. That, that, those were just snacks and uh, that kind of thing. So... Um, Anyway, we had a good time, uh, celebrated our 40-year anniversary, and totally overate, and overslept, and um, didn't get in trouble for that, and um, Tanya read three books. I only read one and a half books, so um, she was a, a better reader than me. I, I would be reading and fall asleep, <laughs> but um, anyway, it's good to be back home. My sermon today is uh, called Citizens of heaven. This is a really important message. It's actually coming from Philippians chapter 3 as I continue preaching through Philippians and we'll, we'll uh, try to finish up chapter 3. And um, <clears throat> it's called Citizens of Heaven. And we're going to talk about what it means to be a citizen of heaven. And um, really seriously, we say those kind of things. And I don't know that we really take them as serious as we should because we really are a citizen of heaven if we know Jesus Christ as our Savior. And um, it's really our most important citizenship. And so we'll be talking about that today. In uh, a lot of countries, not all countries, they have uh, the opportunity, I guess you'll call it, or the, the ability um, to have dual citizenship. That's not possible in all countries. Not all countries allow that. But um, in, in some countries, many countries, they'll have what they call dual citizenship. And that's actually being a citizen of two different nations. And I just want to say that we, as born-again people, are citizens of two different nations. And we have dual citizenship. And um, it is allowable in the kingdom of heaven under one condition. And it does have conditions as far as the dual citizenship is concerned. In order to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. And so that's, that's the main qualifier as far as that's concerned. Um, and uh, that's the only way that it's allowed. Um, another way of putting it, another way of putting this is in our flesh, we're citizens, and in, in our case, uh, the citizens of the United States, and, uh, and then in our spirit, when we're born again, we're actually citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And um, <clears throat> so if we are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, we want to properly represent um, the, the country, the land that we're citizens of, don't we? And we want to properly represent that, and that's what... Paul will be talking about in, in Philippians chapter 3 today is actually properly acting as a proper citizen. And in order to do that, 
we have to have some sort of an education on what it's required to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. It's not like we work for it, but there is behaviors and stuff that go along with that. And um, so just looking at that um, and just thinking about that for a moment, um, what does it mean? What does it mean to be spiritual? I want to put that question out there. What does it mean to be spiritual? Because to be spiritual actually is the qualifier for us to be a a kingdom citizen. Um, So what does it really mean to be spiritual? That's the question I want to put out there. And as I talk about it, some people think that maybe being spiritual is when we sing songs, we close our eyes, lift our hands. Uh, And I just want to say that might qualify and it might not. And that'll make more sense in just a minute. There's nothing wrong with it, absolutely. And uh, if that's the way that that you want to worship God, you should feel free to do so. But um, it doesn't mean that you're spiritual when you do that. There's a lot of people just by doing that say that they're doing something spiritual. In itself, that's not it. And then there's some other cases where people um, uh, pray. And when they pray, they pray in King James. Have you ever heard of King James prayer? I've actually worded some of those prayers before. Um, I, I mean, when I was uh, growing up and I was around a lot of other people, when they'd pray, they would pray in King James. And um, that doesn't mean you're spiritual either if you pray in King James. It could. It might mean that you're spending a lot of time in the Word, and in particular, the King James Version of the Bible, which is perfectly fine. And so, therefore, thou art praying properly, you know, if you pray that way and, and think that way. Um, and then... Um, it doesn't mean that you're spiritual. Like I've heard some preachers when they preach and they end up and they and they do a after every last thing that they do. Has anybody ever heard a preacher like that before? Um, not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but it doesn't mean that you're spiritual if you do that. And obviously, um, if you study with the King James Bible, um, doesn't mean that you're spiritual, but it might be. And so we'll talk about those things and what it does mean to be spiritual. And when I say that, What it means to be spiritual is to be looking at your life from a kingdom point of view, from God's point of view. So with that being said, you can see see where all of those things could be things that are actually signifying that you're spiritual because of the fact that you're actually um, looking at things from God's point of view and it causes you want to lift your hands and to worship Him or to close your eyes or it causes you want to study your Bible and maybe the King James Bible is the one that you prefer to study with, then, then it would be spiritual. And maybe I just uh, want to preach with a huh behind it, and um, if I did that, it might be spiritual if I was really trying to, to uh, look at things from God's point of view. I think you see what I'm getting at there. But you know, um, it makes me think about this one term, being too heavenly-minded to do any earthly good. Has anybody ever heard that, that statement before? too heavenly-minded to do any earthly good. I was thinking about that, and um, from the definition that I just gave you, that's a very not appropriate statement, actually. The, 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 the gist of it is is that, that we get so pharisaical in our actions that we can't even relate to people and be able to share the gospel with people because we're just seen as aloof and pious and, and uh, unfriendly. And that's usually what it's meant when they say that statement. But Here's what I'll say. If we are heavenly-minded, the more heavenly-minded we are, the more um, that Jesus can attract people. Now, that's a big difference there. I mean, we want to actually be citizens that are representing the kingdom of God in a way that God wants us to, not from just a bunch of rules and regulations 
but from a relationship that we have from time spent in God's Word. And so that's a big difference there as far as being spiritual. And so what it means to be spiritual is looking at things from God's point of view. Um, If you're taking notes this morning, um, before I get into Philippians, I want to read to you a verse or some verses in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. So put in your notes, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, and listen to these verses. There's some key words that are in these verses here that I really want to kind of rest on for a little bit just to have you catch what it's saying. Listen to this. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, and that's really important, if you have been raised with Christ, if you have been born again, because when we're born again, we die to our sins, and we are raised in the newness of life, and that's what we show when we're baptized. We're not saved by baptism, but we actually get baptized after we're saved to show what has happened to us spiritually. So when we look at this here, it says, if we've been raised with Christ, if we've been born again, then it says, seek the things that are above. And there's one of the words that I want you to really concentrate on. See what it says? It says, seek. As a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, we need to be seeking the things that are above. We are to to be spiritual. We're to be looking at the things from God's point of view. And it says, the things that are above are where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And then here it is again, that word, set. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. There's actually an effort that goes behind actually being spiritually minded. And that's having your mind set on the things of God. And then verse 3 goes on and says, For you have died. It doesn't say, just in case you do die, or maybe you do. It says, since we have died. That's really an important statement right there. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. In other words, we have died to our old self and we have raised into a new self, and that's a spiritual self. That's the person that is the kingdom of the citizen of, of heaven. And when we look at that, it says that that person, their life is hidden in Christ. In other words, when the world sees us, they see Jesus Christ and not us. You say, that's, that's crazy. No, it's not crazy. It's by the, the setting our mind and having our minds on the Word of God and actually Christ is able to be glorified in our lives. The old self has died. It's gone. And so I guess you could say um, maybe we um, technically, uh, as far as our dual citizenship is concerned, we're really kind of a zombie as far as the United States is concerned, and we're really alive under the kingdom of heaven. It's really the most real kingdom that we live in. And then in verse 4 it goes on and says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory, because we have been changed, because we are kingdom, kingdom citizens um, of, of God's kingdom. And then verse 5, Put to death, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. It's something that if we have died to, then put it to death. There's a mindset that we're setting our things on, on, the, on the ways of God and we're putting to death the things that we used to be. Uh, so it says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. I know we hear these, these things, these lists a lot of times, and we go, man, Christians have a bunch of don't do's. But these are things that are things that just... God's telling us these are things that will destroy us because they were destroying us before and then we were born again and we were made free from these things that would enslave us. Um, and and I just you've got to look at some of the definition of some of these things and, and realize that God's got our best interest 
at heart. Then verse 6 goes on and says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And, and this, is, this is telling us something about our, our citizenship. It's telling us that his kingdom is coming. And so since it is coming, this kingdom that, that we are citizens of, it's where we're going to live forever. Man, I thought I'd get an amen on that one anyway. Or not me, but the word of God. How about that? Amen to the word of God? There we go. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. That is past tense. So as kingdom citizens, we have a different parameter as far as how we operate. So we live on this earth here. We live in the United States. But really, uh, the kingdom of heaven supersedes the United States. And so we actually, the thing that shows more than anything is not that I'm an American, is is that I'm a kingdom of, of heaven. And so therefore, we get into this thing here. So the first thing that I want to get into this morning, my first point is, is we're going to talk about citizenship training. Citizen training. How do I... How do I learn how to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? And I just want to tell you, that's really uh, really a bigger statement than we even think about because um, people say, well, when I get to heaven, I'll figure out how to operate in heaven. Do you know that we're supposed to be training for it right now? We're supposed to be training for it right now. So we're doing citizenship training right now. And so one of the things that Paul says that's so interesting that we'll look at in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 17 is this. He says, to the people at Philippi, to imitate him. He says to imitate him and, and, and others that exemplify heaven. There was something about Paul where he was saying, imitate me, be like me and some of the other Christians to where we exemplified the kingdom of heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but I've known some people that I knew were very spiritually godly people. And so I would look at them and I would say to myself, you know, I, I don't know what they're doing, I don't know what they're doing, but I need some more of that. Have you ever known someone like that? Me too. And um, I, I set my mind on wanting to be one of those people. Why? Because I want to be so uh, high and lofty as far as spirituality is concerned? No. I want to be that way because that's a way of showing that we are having a relationship with Jesus Christ, and it also shows what a citizen of the kingdom of heaven is actually operating as. Look at Philippians chapter 3 and verse 17 as we get going in, 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 in chapter 3 here and verse 17. Verse 17 says, Brothers, join in imitating me. There it is right there. Paul is saying, imitate me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. Paul is saying to imitate him and others that are actually following God's word that are being spiritual also, that are exemplifying the kingdom of heaven. Now, I know what you're probably thinking because if you're like me when you hear that. When I hear that there, most Christians, and I've been guilty of doing this myself before, of saying, um, I, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, but I wouldn't imitate me if I were you. Has anybody ever said something like that? We, we many times say, man, I'm a Christian, but I don't know if people should imitate me. Well, I want to tell you that would, that is not an accurate statement because Paul is saying that we are to imitate people that are godly. We say, well, that, that, that's for godly people. That's Paul saying that all of us, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, should be something that can be imitated, that can be shown. That's a challenge for every citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And so um, this verse here really tells us that, that this is important to do. Now, 
One of the things that I'll say that, that when, we, when I say that is this, and I'm going to kind of let everybody off the hook a little bit. When we talk about doing discipleship, when we talk about being a disciple of, of Jesus Christ, when we talk about being a disciple, a disciple doesn't mean that you're perfect. Can I, can I just do a newsflash here? The newsflash is this. None of us in our flesh are perfect. We're only made righteous through Jesus Christ, and we will actually experience that like no other time when we experience the kingdom of God fully, and we're fully in there with a, a body that goes along with righteousness. So when I say that there, Paul understood this too. It's not like Paul's like going, go around and act like a phony. Act like a, a phony Christian and, and, and play some kind of game and, and, and speak certain ways and, and, and those kind of things. And then when you get home, let your hair down a little bit. That's not what Paul's saying. He's saying that all of us are to imitate what we are to be getting from the Word of God as far as being citizens are concerned. We're going to make mistakes, but one of the things that happens in discipleship is the people that we are discipling, we look at them and we say, hey, I made a mistake. And that's a part of the discipleship process. Listen, a lot of us actually say, I don't do the discipleship thing. I want to say that if you are unwilling to do the discipleship thing with another person you are stunning your growth. You are stunning your growth. We all need to be disciples. And that's teaching other people how to be citizens also. It not only helps them, but it helps us too. It helps us to grow. Everybody always says the best way to learn is to teach, right? That's true. That is so true. And all of us need to be teaching somebody else on how to be a kingdom of heaven also. Discipleship is a growth process. Jesus said um, that, that, that um, he's the vine and we are the branches, and we're to be tied into him, right? Jesus said this, and so we know that we're to be tied into Jesus, and if we're tied into Jesus, then we are actually something that's imitatable, right? But you know what? This also has a lot to do, this also has a lot to do with uh, church membership. You say, this has got a lot to do with church membership? Yes, being a church member is us living life together. It really is. It's li living life together. And um, it's impossible when, you get, when you're a person that removes yourself from, from the opportunities that the church has to help us to grow. And, and you say, I'm, I'm not going to do that. It, it, it's really impossible to actually go through some of these growth processes that help us to be more imitatable or to find people to be imitated too. Now, I know a lot of people say, I know a lot of people say, well, that's what I really don't like about getting too involved in a church is um, we find out that those people are not actually very um, perfect. Well, guess what? The excuse time is over. Can we just get it acknowledged right here and now that none of us in here are perfect? There's nobody in here saying that we are perfect. We do make mistakes, and we can grow together. And that's part of what we do. It's, it's time to stop using people as an excuse not to be a part of a church. It is. And so, um, church inadequacies. This church didn't check all the boxes for me. We hear people say, um, I'm looking for a church that checks all the boxes. Um, man, I'd like to know where that is because I don't think all the boxes get checked till we get to the kingdom of heaven. It is a growth process altogether. And so when we look at this here, Paul is saying 
imitate me and, and, and imitate other people that are trying. And they're trying to see things as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven from God's point of view, and we do that by being in God's word. So here's a question before I get to my second point this morning. And the question is this. Is it possible, as Christians, is it possible for us to verify our citizenship? You know, show me your paperwork, so to speak. Is it possible for us to verify our citizenship as kingdom uh, of heaven people? The answer is yes. Uh, I can think of two just right off the bat as I, as I ask that question. The first one is, is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Our citizenship is written in the Lamb's Book of Life when we were born again. When we were saved, our name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Right there in heaven it says that, that, that Bill Saxon asked Jesus Christ to be his Savior and his name is written there. And so when he gets there or when God's kingdom is established once and for all, his name will be there. Right? You say, how can you say that for Bill? I, we'll have to ask Bill and God that, on that one, right? But I think, I think it is. Don't you, Bill? <laughs> He's like, Amen. Amen. <laughs> and he's also thinking, please don't point me out anymore. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. But you know, um, that's one way. But, it, but in, in Romans 8.16, the Bible tells us also, also that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're his children. So we know that we're uh, citizens of the kingdom of heaven by having our name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but also... Um, the Bible tells us in other places that the Spirit of God is given to us as, as a, a way of assuring us that we're citizens also. And it bears witness. But the only way that we can actually do that and enact that verification process is for us to actually um, to be looking at things from God's point of view and God's Word, and then the Spirit of God starts working through us. And we start growing, and then we become something that's imitatable. Luke 10.20 says this, and this is Jesus speaking. Jesus said, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. He was talking to his disciples, and he told his disciples, don't get all excited about the fact that the spirits, the evil spirits out there, know who you are and, and, and are backing off in fear and those kind of things. Don't get excited about that. But he's saying, get excited about this. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice about your citizenship in heaven. And uh, that's something to rejoice about. So let's talk a little bit more about that. My second point this morning is we'll be talking about citizenship verific verification. Citizen verification. Let's look more into this. Let's move on down in Philippians chapter 3 to verse 18 and 19. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God, small g, is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. So when we talk about citizen verification, Paul is saying that, that it's really easy to, another verification way is to, to actually look at the life that's being lived, and, and it will actually tell the truth also. It, he's not saying perfection, but look at what he is saying here. The first thing he's saying that you certainly aren't a kingdom citizen if you're an enemy of the cross. Why? Why? Because he says that their God is not 
the true and one true God, but their God is their, their bellies. Their bellies, um, if, if that just meant my fat belly, after being on this uh, cruise the last week, I would be in a lot of trouble. I will admit that belly needs to go. But he's, he's meaning more than that when he says their God is their bellies. It's the things that they have the appetite for, the things of their appetite that's going back to who they were uh, before they were saved. After we were saved, there's slow and gradual changes that take place. I've seen some people it wasn't even slow. They were so hungry for the Word of God that they were on. Uh, man, they were ready to, to uh, citizen verify very quickly as far as that was concerned. But he says that, that if your God is your belly, your appetite for, for sin, that's not a good verification thing. It's not at all. Um, we see in, in the world that we live in now that, that and, and I, I just want to tell you, I'm not anti-money. I'm not. But, but some people, man, their, their God is money. Or maybe their God is, is power. You know, i got to be somebody of influence. It's, it's so essential. It's so essential that I don't have time for Jesus. Or maybe sex or pleasure. And many other things that we see that are permeating our society today. Now, just got to say this before I carry on. God created pleasure. That okay with everybody? Yes. And he has parameters for it to be optimal. And he has ways that, that have been perverted that, that take it in an opposite direction. So don't say, I went to church today and that preacher is anti-pleasure. I thought God created it. He did. We just got to do it right. And we do that when we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Just, I had to clarify that. Um, citizens of heaven are examples of what to be and what not to be. And it's not because we're holier than thou. It's not that we're too heavenly minded. It's that we um, actually are finding out what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And actually, Jesus got along quite well with people. He did. And he didn't do it by going, your sin, no big deal. Just forget about it. He didn't do that. He loved them, and he loved them enough to show them the things that were destroying them. And that's what Jesus is all about. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, if you're taking notes this morning, and I'll read it to you, 1 Peter 2, 11 says this, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners. Peter says that we are sojourners. Sojourners are people that are just passing through. We are just passing through here. We like to think that this is everything, and, and I'm an American citizen, and, and this is everything, and, and I'm putting all my eggs in that basket. And Peter says, when we become citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we're just passing through. And it says, in exiles, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. The things that we've been delivered from are the things that we are at war with now. Citizens of the kingdom of heaven are at war with the things that were destroying them. Beforehand, we were getting destroyed by them. We weren't at war with them. We were being destroyed by them. And we have the ability to have victory now. And, you know, Jesus said in Matthew 12 that a tree will show what kind of fruit it is. And so when we talk about citizen verification, if you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, it's going to show. And if you're not, it's going to show. And so Paul was comfortable in saying, imitate me, because he was wanting 
his citizenship of the kingdom of heaven to be verifiable by who he was and how he lived. 1 John chapter 4, verses 5 and 6 are, are two very important verses that I want to read to you that kind of go along with this entire subject here before I get to my third and final point this morning. 1 John chapter 4, verse 5 and 6 says this, They, meaning people that aren't kingdom citizens, they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. In other words, they run to the God of their bellies. And John's verifying this. He's saying that that's, that's what goes on. And, and then he goes on and says, and the world listens to them. The world's, the world's going to listen to the things that appeal to them. Uh, if, if we think that we're going to go out there and, and, and say, I'm going to go out there and read the Bible to everybody, and everybody's going to go, yay, thank goodness he's reading the Bible. You're kidding yourself. They're out there, and it's foolishness to those that are perishing. The Word of God says. You say, well, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? Paul says to we that have been changed, we actually start exemplifying our citizenship in the kingdom of heaven from the Word of God, and that's going to show to where we actually have a platform of influence, and then we share the Word of God and introduce the Spirit of God to them in that process there. And so John goes on in verse 6 and says, We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. There should be something that's being said in the word of God today, not because I'm speaking, but because the word of God is being presented. There ought to be something in those, these words that we hear from the word of God. Preachers always reading lots of verses. Why am I reading a lot of verses? There should be something in there that is resonating with your spirit. And if not, it's a problem. There should be a red warning signal going off. Warning, warning. Uh, God is their belly. And that's not me being ugly either. It's just me reading the Word of God and John saying that's a verification. We want to know that we are citizens of the kingdom of, of God. We need to know. We need to know now and certainly not later when it's too late. Amen? Which leads to my third and final point this morning. My third and final point this morning is citizen of heaven living. We've talked about being verifiable and how to actually uh, become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Now let's talk about what it's like. What it's like. And, and, and the blessings of it, shall I say. You know, I've got to say, I'm, um, and we, none of us get to choose where we were born. That's for sure. Um, you know, that's the, the hand of God where we're born. We like to blame our parents. We like to blame God. We like to blame all kinds of people for anything that we think is wrong, right? But I just want to tell you that, that it doesn't matter where you're born. You need to be born again. That's a fact. But I am glad that I was, I was born in the United States. I think the United States is a great country. Do I think it's as good as it used to be? I don't. I'm sorry. I hope that doesn't sound unpatriotic. But I will tell you something. I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, and I'm totally all right with everything that God is doing. How about you? And so let's talk about what it's like to be a citizen of heaven and, and living. It, the Bible's telling us that we've been delivered from our flesh. 
So the way that we live as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven is to live spiritually because our spirits are made alive. We weren't even able to do it beforehand. We weren't even able to to live as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven before we were born again. In verse 20 of Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where our citizenship is. That's where it's happening at. And then, then Paul says, Who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Man, Paul is telling us something really important here that we're getting ready to talk about that should make us want to jump for joy. It would be okay to be spiritual and say hallelujah when you hear this. It will be okay, I promise. If you want to raise your hands to what uh, Paul is sharing here and what I'm getting ready to share with you, it's perfectly fine. It would be a totally spiritual reaction. It might even be a reaction of somebody that is a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. One of the things that Paul is telling us in these two verses, that our lives when we are born again is, is, right now, connected, connected to eternity. Connected to eternity. Right now. Something that some of y'all may not care about at all, but there's some of us around here that care a lot about this, but we finally have internet in this building. We do. We have been without internet in this building except a little black hot spot that we've been working on, and it's been running everything. It's been the, it's been the brain behind the process, which is really scary. <laughs> but we have internet in here now. It's in this room here. It's down the hall. It's in the children's wing. It's in all the classrooms. For the first time since I've been here, not just in the office, by the way. Everybody's like, oh, great, now I don't have to listen to your sermons. I can get on my phone. I'm not telling you the password. How about that? But we are connected. We are connected. And Paul is telling us that we are connected to the kingdom of heaven right now. We're firing on all the cylinders that we need to be firing on. Man, we have fiber optic right into heaven. We do. Not someday when I go to heaven. Right now. He says our citizenship is in heaven. We are connected right now. That's exciting. But Paul says something else about being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. He says our lowly or vile bodies will be changed. Right now we are connected to heaven. We, we are born again. Our spirits are are hearing God and, and God's Spirit can speak to us through His Word and, and lead us and, and, and uh, give us boldness and give us the abilities to do the things that we need to do. All of that's happening right now because we're connected. But we have one thing still that is getting in the way. And that's our bellies. Our bellies. I mean, that's, that's what he said earlier. Our vile affections are getting in the way. But Paul says... Not only are we citizens, we're connected now, but we're going to get a new body that will work with this connection like never before. I guess right now, technically, I'm saying that we're operating as citizens of the kingdom of heaven with a hot spot. But we will be firing in all cylinders when we get to heaven with a body that's totally connected 
to heaven. And it's not very far away. As a matter of fact, I want to say this. The trumpet could blow any moment now. And we would be out of here. And we'd be in heaven. And we'd get a new body to go along with it that doesn't want any of the stuff that our flesh wants. So, I was hoping somebody would get excited about that. Put in your notes 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and 52. Man, I always share this in funerals, but I don't share this in funerals to, to actually... Um, a lot of people look at funerals like, um, it's supposed to be a time of depression. If someone's born again, it's not altogether depressing. Yes, we miss them, but we're told some really good things that we need to be mindful of. And 1 Corinthians 15, 51 says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven right now, and we are learning right now how to fit into this body that God is going to give us that works perfectly. It doesn't get old and fat and all kinds of yucky stuff. We're beginning training right now as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. This is who we are. Our flesh lives here on this earth, and our spirits are tied into heaven and tied into eternity. We've got to understand that. If we will understand that, it changes the way that we live every day, doesn't it? Going back to 1 John, and you can put 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3 in your notes. John tells us some more important things along these lines. He says, Beloved, we are God's children now. Now. Underline now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. John is saying, yes, we are connected to God now. We are his children now. But what we are going to be is going to be even better. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like Jesus. I went ahead and put Jesus' name in there. It says him. Jesus. Because we shall see him as he is, righteous and holy. And for the first time, we will be two. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. It doesn't say, wait till you get to heaven. It doesn't say that, does it? It says, with this knowledge of knowing who we are right now and who we're going to be, we purify ourselves right now. There's a lot, in conclusion, if I can say it, there's a lot to be said about people that live in the past, and we always say it's not a good idea to live in the past. And then we have other people that say, yeah, but you can live in the future so much that that, that you miss the present. And I just want to say right now, we are to live in the present. Someday we're going to heaven, and so presently we're not in heaven, but presently we are kingdom citizens of heaven. So we live in the present with the knowledge of knowing that we get a new body to go along with that. And we start doing the changing now to where we don't get in that body and go, whoa, what's going on? I'm out of control. You know, 
And I know it doesn't happen like that, but you know. God is outside of time. We know this. Time was given for us, for us to be able to count our days and know that from the beginning to the end, we're running out of time. But Paul is telling us we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and, and when, when God's kingdom is finally established, um, we get a new body to go along with it that works perfectly fine the way that Jesus works. How does God do that? How did God create this world, for pity's sakes? You know, all these people that say, we came from this and explosion and you know all that kind of nonsense. It's like, man, don't tell me that, that my DNA works the way that it works and give me that nonsense. I don't want to hear it. It's a miracle right here. The reason why it's, it's not as good as it could be is because mankind wanted to sin rather than let God be in charge. We messed it up. And God sent his son to make it right again. Because God's going to have his way. And it's going to be incredible. And it is incredible. The Bible tells us that the reclamation of Jesus' kingdom is taking place. It's termed this way. We're taking the kingdom by force. I love that statement, by the way. Because let me tell you something. Every time somebody is lost and they're born again, another person's added to God's kingdom, and God's kingdom gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's what God is doing right now. He's taking his kingdom back by force. And when it's all finalized, it will be accompanied with new bodies. We will no longer in our flesh be enemies of the cross. It'll be over. I want to close today with two verses. I'm closing today with two verses. They're in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, and Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14. So, I'm finishing with two verses, or two sets of verses in, in the book of Galatians. One in chapter 5, and the final one in chapter 6. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24 says this, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It tells us that that's what we have done. It's been done. It doesn't mean that I'll think about it. I'll try to change next week or whatever. It says that those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. In other words, if you want to keep sinning, you're living like a crazy person. Verse 25 says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Because we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. That's why. And then finally, Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul is saying because of what Jesus Christ has done for me, I am now a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And he became someone, as he stated, that's imitatable. He, he says that we can make disciples. He could make disciples. And we're to do the same thing. Perfect now? No, because we still have this body. But we are actually training to be citizens in the kingdom of heaven and we'll get a new body. We start right now. It doesn't start later. It doesn't start when we get to heaven. It starts right now. That's what the word of God says. Let's stand.
Dear Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for your encouragement, and thank you for your love. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who's paid the price for our sins, took on our sins and applied them to himself on the cross, died and then overcame death to give us life. Father, we thank you for your plan of salvation. We thank you for your spirit who convicts us and shows us things and has made us regenerated. Lord, you are totally involved in all of our salvation, every last bit of it, from start to finish. And Lord, we hear your word today, and we hear that your word says that we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and it's a kingdom that's growing every day. Every time someone is born again, Lord, I pray that we would have a burden on our hearts to do our part in increasing the size of this kingdom, because, Lord, that's what you want us to do. And you loved us the way that you loved us in our salvation and love us now. Lord, I pray that we'll love you enough to do that. Lord, I pray that we'll love you enough to do what you would have for us to do in this church. And Father, I pray today, if there's somebody in here that that isn't sure if they were to die right now that they would go to heaven, Lord, I pray that you would convict their hearts, your spirit would. And Lord, I pray that they would look at the cross of your son Jesus and they would place their trust on him and ask for forgiveness of their sins and let the payment that he paid for their sins uh, take place been done, and Lord, they would just accept it and ask him into their hearts today. Lord, I pray that you give them the courage to come up here. If you're convicting someone now, you give them the courage to come up here and to be able to do that prayer. Lord, I pray your spirit would make it possible. Lord, we love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.